Welcome to today's podcast brought to you by U.S. Bank. Imagine a world where your moneymaker is your hobby? Well, you won't have to. U.S. Bank takes pride in being the extra push people need to turn their dream job into reality. With friendly advice, setting realistic goals, and being there, supporting them with every step in their journey, just like a friend or partner would. It's time to turn your side gig into something bigger. U.S. Bank. We'll get there together. Now let's tune into today's episode. NFL fans, go to NFLshop.com and check out all the latest officially licensed NFL gear today. Looking for the perfect gift or just gearing up for the 2021 season? NFL Shop is the ideal place to get the gear players and coaches wear on field. Your favorite player's jersey or gear customized just for you. Choose from the largest assortment for all 32 teams anywhere. NFLshop.com is your source for the best selection of officially licensed NFL products from jerseys, apparel, hats, collectibles, and more. To shop now, go to NFLshop.com today. It's a story that captivated the nation. Two brothers and their sister are on the run from authorities tonight. Three close-knit siblings known as the Doherty Gang go on a 15-state crime spree, evading police for eight days. Police say the trio have a stockpile of weapons, and at least one of them has made it clear he's not afraid to die. They're like modern-day Bonnie and Clyde. Listen to the Doherty Gang every Monday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Record Store Society, a production of iHeartRadio. Um, do you have like a personal rule for yourself of what you will and won't let yourself do when it comes to tattoos of musicians? Yeah, you have to think like, will their name be something controversial later on? Like maybe something political or just something terrible? Well, like, like Joy Division, you, like, for example. Like politically correct. Joy Division <laughs> yeah. is actually a terrible, terrible thing, but a nice band. So... Yeah, that's that's interesting. Uh, yeah. Oh, hey, hi. Uh, welcome to our record store. Uh, my name is Seth. This is Tara. And, uh, you know, you're welcome to browse around. Uh, let us know if you need anything. Uh, just give us a shout. Thanks. Uh, no, I, I have a similar philosophy when it comes to uh, tattoos of bands where I need the band or musician to have stopped being before I tattoo them, just so they don't turn into something terrible. You know, th <laughs> yeah. th think about Morrissey. The Smiths are wonderful. And 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 as soon as I would have gotten that Smiths tattoo day two, I would have seen Morrissey saying some dumb bullshit and I would have felt really dumb. But but anyway, and uh, oh, hey, look who's here. It's Mr. Jimmy Pardo. Hello. Hi. Hello, uh, record store people. Nice to uh, nice to see you. It's always wonderful to see you here. You're one of my favorite customers. Uh, well, thank. Well, you know what? I always like coming in and, uh, and and figure out what you two are gabbing about in this particular day. <laughs> what, what what did I interrupt today? We, we were just now actually discussing uh, bands and musicians as tattoos. Now uh, you're a tattooed man, Mr. Pardo. I have two. I have two uh, tattoos that are very incongruous to my personality and lifestyle. <laughs> uh, nobody would ever expect me to have tattoos, but yes, I had a midlife crisis when my son was born 13 years ago and uh, decided to get two tattoos. Uh, so yeah, yeah, I'm inked, I guess is the point. I mean, it, I think it's an important thing that many people go through, and especially for people like all three of us who love music more than anything, mm -hmm. I, I do think it is an instinct to want to, almost like you're like um, a math book in middle school, just like put your favorite band's logo on it and just yeah. say, that's me yes. now. This is dedicated to me. And, and Well, I, I want to be clear, though. Mm -hmm. I, I do not have music. Uh, right. I don't have a band. On, on I have a shark and an anchor because I love the sea. <laughs> um, I, I would love to get the, and I wouldn't do, when I say I'd love to, mm -hmm. I, I wouldn't do this, but like to get 
either the the band Chicago get their logo mm -hmm. or the band Kiss get their logo. Mm -hmm. uh, maybe the band UFO, like whoever has a great looking logo, I would love to get. Um, but my wife would leave me within <laughs> seconds of me returning from the tattoo parlor going, hey, look, I got Peter Cetera's face on my arm. And she would... <laughs> Uh, she would leave me instantly, instantly. <laughs> that's I mean, hilarious. That's understandable. But on the other hand, there, you, you can get a, a, a bit cheeky with it. And perhaps it's like, you know, like personally, I like tattoos to be as personal and specific as possible. Like for me personally, I think everyone's tattoo decisions are, of course, their own thing. Everyone should do whatever they want to do. Uh, but for me, when David Bowie died, um, I was a huge David Bowie fan my whole life. I needed David Bowie to be remembered. I was feeling some sad feelings when he died. So I got a, a, a tattoo of a cow's body with Mickey Mouse's head. And then the Mickey Mouse head is saying, I'm a cow. Just like in his song, um, um, uh, Life on Mars, when he goes, Mickey Mouse grew up a cow. Like, that was my Bowie tattoo. You know what I mean? And like- yes. For me, I was like, okay, I'm not I'm not just writing the name David Bowie on my arm. I'm not just like, I don't know, putting his face on there. I'm getting a very much, much dumber tattoo. So much dumber, but it's at least specific to my arm. I know no one else has that dumb tattoo. You know what I mean? Has so anyone, you recommend, I'm, I'm sorry, Tara, go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say, has anyone ever asked you if that was like a Bush lyric instead of a David <laughs> Bowie lyric? Because he definitely says the same thing and everything's in. Literally never. You're the first person, Tara, oh. to think <laughs> Everyone's instead of know. David Bowie. Sorry. <laughs> uh, Jimmy, were you about to say something? Well, I was just going to ask you, because of my love of the band Chicago, so mm -hmm. you, using your logic, should yes. I get a timepiece uh, with the hand set at 25 or 6 to 4? Should I do that? And then people would go, hey, that's pretty cool. Is that like a your grandfather's old pocket watch? And I'd go, no, I'm a fan of a horn band. Yes. Like, right? <laughs> I, I think that's a great idea. Or, or in, di uh, uh, in addition to that, what which Chicago album is the one with the scaffolding on the cover? Which one's that one? Well, that's the greatest hits, Chicago 9. Perhaps. Don't get the logo part put on there, but just the scaffolding part. So they haven't even started painting the logo yet. You know what I mean? Like things well, like that. Well, I do. Uh, are you cool if I don't do that? Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, am. I don't know if I need scaffolding on me. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I could rationalize the uh, the pocket watch, but the yeah, yeah. I, uh, I don't know if I need a whole a, a full back piece of the of the scaffolding before they start painting the logo. <laughs> uh, uh, speaking of Chicago, uh, I know they're one of your favorite bands. I know you've seen mm -hmm. them like hundreds of times, right? Uh, not hundreds, maybe. You know, I've been saying over a hundred for uh, decades, and I may I may have exaggerated that at one point, <laughs> but I think I just squeaked over uh, before the pandemic when I saw them. I think I squeaked over one hundred. I think it's like a hundred and one, hundred and two, something along those lines. Wow! So, so when is the last time you saw them pre-pandemic? Oh boy, uh, uh, whatever. Whenever they were in two thousand nineteen. Uh, whatever the last uh, boy at the, at the near the mid to end of 2019. Oh, see, one reason I bring this up. Uh, I'm, I'm a big fan of your YouTube show, Jimmy's Records and Tapes. Obviously, it gives a a virtual experience of visiting a record store. I mean, obviously, we're in a real record store now. Obviously, but <laughs> when uh, you, you feel that and you're on YouTube and you want something, I, I I love your YouTube show. I think it's a lot of fun. Thank you. And one of the things I, I really enjoyed was an episode you did a while ago about top five live shows that you've attended, you know? Mm -hmm. And uh, I, I, I don't know. I, I feel like talking about that right now. Obviously, we've, we've all been at least a year away from a, a live show. And I, I just want to feel those feelings a bit. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we're about to play the high fidelity game, count down our top five live shows we've ever been to. J Jimmy, do you want to join us? 
Uh, I would love to. Um, I, lo- I, I love the idea of that. Um, I did see right before we started the, the pandemic, I saw a kiss right before the, literally a week before we went into lockdown. Ooh, wow. And wow. I saw uh, sticks maybe a month or so before we went into lockdown. So I luckily nice. was able to see some shows right before uh, the world ended. I'm going to say yeah. it, the yeah. world ended, Tara. <laughs> I had a full list of shows I was supposed to see in 2020. Like it was going to be my friend Sam and I's year, summer of rock is what we were calling it. Yeah, right. We were going to see Rolling Stones. We were going to see, well, she was going to see Pet Shop Boys. I was going to go see Bauhaus and Blondie and all of these people. And man, what a letdown. Yes. <laughs> and then were you following the, uh, like when, when uh, they would they would postpone it, they'd give you a new date. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, they're coming in October. And then all of a sudden in, in August, well, now we're just going to give you your money back. And so wait and see if that yeah. ever shows up. Or uh, the Doobie Brothers actually, we were, my wife and yeah. I were supposed to see the Doobie Brothers uh, on October, I think October 29th. And then they postponed it to October 29th of 2021. But I was like, why would they postpone it to this? I didn't see the date, the new year. Yeah. And I was like, did they just postpone it to the same day? Like, what, what just happened? Uh, yeah. But that's we, weird, right? We were supposed to see Doobie Brothers too. That was on our list. Um, they are going to play at Chastain Park, actually. But yeah, no, I've completely lost track of all of the cancellations and rescheduling. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I have no idea, like, what's left anymore. What I think do I, I, think I gave left? up at a certain point. Because, yeah, on right. my fridge, I have several concert tickets and several bracelets yeah. from festivals I was going to go to. All of them are just, just I don't, I don't know what to do with them now. I suppose I should throw them away, but that's right. They're <laughs> no, trash at this point. I guess. But, but, but I, but I'm with you. I don't think I would. I think would, uh, I would have to really, really know it's not happening, right? Uh, to get rid of those. But uh, yeah, I, I've seen, I've seen a couple of the new, um, I guess, concert and um, airplane ready helmets. Have you guys seen these? No. They're not great. <laughs> we're, we're not there yet, you know? All right. Uh, um, basically, they're about Weird. $300, and it's a full pull-on space helmet, more or less. Uh, it's a little softer, not quite as, you know, uh, uh, outer space ready. But here, here's the biggest problem with them. Um, obviously, because it's a space helmet-looking thing, they have to pump air in and pump air out, so there are fans then- going the whole time. So a concert is more or less useless. An airplane, yeah. I guess it's it's okay because what do you want to hear anyway? But right. but no, it, the, the, I guess the Flaming Lips kind of solved it with these shows they did inside the bubbles. Have you guys seen that? Yeah, I was about mm-hmm. to say they're kind of ahead of their time, or maybe they just knew the pandemic was going to happen. <laughs> it makes sense. Wayne Coyne seems like a, a time yeah. traveler of some sort. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he totally does. Wow. Huh. Well, I, well, let's 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 reflect on some better times. I'm gonna okay, I'm gonna go through my, my yeah. top five. Um, so my number five is actually pretty recent, and it's funny because pretty recent. This happened in 2018, and yet I'm calling that a recent concert because mm-hmm. what isn't anymore? Uh, number five, October 2nd, 2018, the Fox Theater, Atlanta, Georgia, David Byrne. Every day is fucking perfect. It's a paradise. Watch my life like it's a movie. That was a fine show. It, it was basically uh, the American Utopia tour pre-Broadway. And um, it was wonderful. Any, anything that anyone said about it, um, I believe there is a concert film version of it on HBO Max. Have either of you mm-hmm. guys seen that? Mm-mm. I have not Got yet. It. I saw the clip. I saw when they were on SNL. And I yeah. was, uh, I'm not the biggest Talking Heads fan, but when I saw the uh, the performances on Saturday Night Live, I was like, oh, damn it. I'm mad. Now I'm mad I missed that tour. 
It's right. like, well, you didn't care three months ago. <laughs> like, why, why, why are you disappointed? You, know, you didn't know. Exactly. So, uh, yeah. But I could see how, how you would uh, just have loved it. it. It was absolutely wonderful. Um, it was uh, everything that everyone has seen and said about the Broadway version of this show is very true for what he was touring around pre-Broadway. And um, another thing he did because we were in Atlanta that I thought was nice and special was that he ended it with a Janelle Monet cover which I presume he doesn't do everywhere. I think he just did it here in Atlanta because she's an Atlanta artist. But uh, it was really nice and just kind of like... He's timely. He's wonderful. You know, he he, he does his thing. He's very specific. You know, like David Byrne is David Byrne. Like the only other people like David Byrne are people who are trying to rip off David Byrne and they're not as good at it as he is. So uh, it was just nice. It was a nice show. Do you, let me ask you a question, because mm-hmm. when it comes to David Byrne, my entire life, I assumed he was a cranky, unpleasant human being. <laughs> and yeah. uh, I was at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, I think 2016, uh, and I was backstage, and um, he was walking down the hallway, and he had just done Fame, because mm-hmm. Bowie had just passed away, right? Bowie died in 2015, is that accurate? That sounds accurate to me, yeah. Ask your tattoo accurate, if you need yeah. to, Seth. Um, <laughs> So he, they, they opened the, sh- the, the show with uh, with David Byrne doing Fame, and it was fantastic. It was unbelievable. Mm. And so th- they finished, and, th- and then David Byrne and his band are walking down the uh, the, the hallway, the corridor. And uh, I said, hey, that was fantastic. And he stopped to thank me and talk to me. And I was like, I, I would have assumed he would have just ignored the fact that I even said anything. He kept walking based on his big suit persona. I right. don't know why. But he was. it couldn't have been more pleasant. And then that kind of made me a Talking Heads guy. Yeah. Huh. Interesting. No. We've talked before in one of his books, he talks about how he is a man that is on the spectrum. He is somewhere in that autism spectrum. Oh, interesting. So that might factor into that. Because, um, you know, there, there are some folks I've known who, who have autism who basically, uh, they never mean to be rude, but sometimes they accidentally are. And th- maybe hmm. that factors in. I'm not sure. Um, well, I, I, again, I saw a good side of uh, David Byrne. So I'm uh, I'm on board. Is what I'm, I guess I'm I'm going to leave the store and come on back and see if I can restart this conversation. <laughs> love it. I think it. I've ruined things. I absolutely love it. Well, uh, please stay because I got my number four coming I'm up. I'm going to stick around. I'll browse around while you talk. Go ahead. <laughs> this is actually going to factor into some things we talked about, uh, but it was in a very strange way that I saw him. August 16th, 2002, it was at the Gorge Amphitheater in George Washington, and this was David Bowie. Oh, you pretty things. This was a really, really strange festival. Um, So it was called the Area 2 Festival, and no one remembers what this was. Basically, the Area 2 Festival was a festival started by Moby. One year it was called the Area 1 Festival, then the second year was called the Area 2 Festival. So here's the wild thing about this show is David Bowie was opening for Moby. Moby was the Mm. headliner at this festival. And as you can all imagine, there was a mass exodus as soon yeah. as David Bowie ended before Moby wow. started, myself included. I have nothing against Moby, but, but when David Bowie ends, what am I going to do? Stick around? Like, <laughs> no, it just doesn't make any yeah. sense. <laughs> I don't know. It, it was. It Wait, was, what year was this? This was 2002. And, oh, okay, um, so it wasn't. I was thinking, like, weird. What? Wonder if it was like when David Bowie's doing all that industrial kind of music. No, no, this would have been heathen. So he was going gotcha. back to his kind of roots, more, more, more rock band centric, all that kind of stuff. And um, I mean, it was a wild lineup. So here's who was at the Area Two Festival. Uh, of course, Busta Rhymes was there. Of course, we all know that. Um, of course, Blue Man Group was there. Uh, that that, sh- that short-lived what? rock band Ash. 
uh, I, I barely remember them. And then there was a DJ tent on the other side because Moby threw this thing. And I never went, I, I never set a single foot inside the DJ tent, but here's who was in there. Uh, now, uh, uh, Jimmy, I don't know if you know this, uh, Tara is is well acclaimed as an, an award-winning DJ here in the Atlanta I, area. I did not know that. Then why in God's name does she work at a record store? Uh, we, we have, for the love of it, Jimmy. I, I have know? to, I, no, I have to, you know, <laughs> no. I have to get that discount. I have to get that discount, I see, you know? store discount. Makes sense. Yeah. My apologies. That does make a lot of sense. <laughs> and uh, so, so, so uh, Tara knows her electronic music way better than anyone else I know. So, so, so listen to this, Tara. Here's who was inside the DJ Kay. tent. Carl Cox, John oh, Digweed, Tiesto, DJ Dan, The Avalanches, and Diesel Boy. Those are all pretty legendary acts. Yes. And if I knew the Avalanches were in there, I would have at least gone in for them. Yeah. But uh, obviously, I didn't set foot in there, so I don't know what happened in that tent. I left it alone, and I just, <laughs> I arrived to see David Bowie. I you were saw there him, for Bowie. And I left. Only. And yeah. it was worth it. And, and that's the funny thing. I'm mentioning this festival where I came to see one person, and I was more or less a jerk to every other person there. And yet, that's how good David Bowie was. Uh, and in particular, he did a lot of showmanship type stuff. Like, for example, you know how often he claims he's stopping music and he's never going to play again and all this other stuff. Towards the end of his set, uh, I think it was during his encore and it was his last song, he goes, uh, well, this next song is one of the first songs I ever played in America. And now it's about to be the last song I ever play in America. And then he went oh, right into what? Ziggy Stardust. Yeah. Wow. But... Of course, he was back a year or two later yeah, <laughs> for, on his uh, reality tour. So it meant nothing. Oh. It meant absolutely mm. nothing. But at that moment, oh, tease. of course, a tease. Yes, I, I felt like I, I, I was king shit. That I was seeing the world's best thing right here in front of me. And anyway, anyway, that's the end of that concert. <laughs> it's amazing. I'm so jealous that you saw David Bowie. It, it, it was wonderful, and the fact that I saw him in such a weird setting, opening for Moby. Shows yeah. how good yeah. he is. That that's it, it was far from ideal, but it was wonderful. So yeah, I agree. I never had a chance to see him either. My uh, my mom and stepdad went to see him on the uh, I I don't think it was called the Let's Dance Tour, but whatever Ooh. that tour was called, the Modern yeah. Love Tour, Modern, modern Dance, love. Yeah, Young yeah, Americans, does. Modern Love, one of those. Yeah, yeah. Oh man, whatever that would have been a great tour to see him because that's when he yeah. was in his like R and B phase. Oh, so he had. Like, I think the it was the Glass band. Spider Glass Spider Tour. I apologize oh, for interrupting. Glass Spider it, it, with uh, Peter Frampton on guitar. Wow. Oh. And um, I remember my mom and stepdad going and going. Look, what are you old people doing going to a show? And they, of course, were much younger than I am now. Um, and they had every right to go to a concert. <laughs> right. No, and that's a nice thing about Bowie, too, is that every tour of his had kind of a gimmick to it. And that's kind of nice. Like his weird Nine Inch Nails tour that he did. And back in the days when he was touring with Iggy Pop, that's fun. Mm -hmm. Like he always had something going on. And that's that's fun. Or his Tin Machine stuff. Like he was a gimmicky dude in a good way. Like I appreciated yeah. his gimmicks, yeah. you know? Yeah. They they seemed organic as opposed to a gimmick. It yeah. seemed like, oh, oh, that's what Bowie's doing now. You never went, well, uh, look at him trying this new thing. It was never, you never felt that way about him, in my opinion. I, I, yeah. I completely agree. And my, my tattoo agrees as well. <laughs> 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 All right. Uh, my number three, bringing it down. Uh, now, I promise I, I've been talking about this band too much lately. I know it's a band that only I like. But it's one of those things like when you, you love something so much and no one else is really talking about that artist that you just feel the need to just bring them up as often as possible. April 12th, 2005, Chop Suey, Seattle, Washington, and it was the Moldy Peaches. My former life, I was a high roller. Brought my kids in a diamond stroller. Found my calling as a part-time bowler. Traded my wife for a 
This show was really amazing, mostly just because I love the moldy peaches more than anything, but it was just a wild show because the moldy peaches had just broken up. And now uh, Adam Green was going on a solo tour and Kimmy Dawson was going to open for him because he just happened to be passing through Seattle where Kimmy was living at the time. And then they did a, a secret bonus set of every Moldy Peaches song they ever played at the end. And it was wonderful. I know no one else cares about this, so I will make this <laughs> entry brief. <laughs> Man, you do love them so much. I'm going to have to just, I need to buckle down and give them an, another chance. I, I don't even like remember it. giving them a chance, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I feel like, you know, I obviously have heard of this band before, but I can't remember if I have listened to them like fully. And or, I know like, I know? won't stop talking about them. So you, it, like, I'm sure in your mind it's starting to be like, wow, why is everyone talking about this <laughs> band? They're so good. And no, it's just me. It's just me. Keep talking about just it. And you. I apologize, but Anyway. I'm an old man who likes classic rock, mm -hmm. and uh, I don't know who they are. I, so I, 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 I've now offended point. every one of your listeners. <laughs> Here's an in point, Jimmy. Uh, did you ever see the film Juno? I did see the film Juno. Throughout the film Juno, that oh, movie yeah. was more or less scored by the Moldy Peaches and the Moldy Peaches uh, primary member, Kimia Dawson. So that sound, that kind of twee, early 2000s indie vibe, right. that's the Moldy Peaches. Is th All think right. Juno, and is, that's them. Okay. So yeah, is that song, the one song that's like the hit from that soundtrack, is that the Moldy Peaches or is that the... The person solo. Nobody else stuff. but you is a moldy peaches yeah. song. So that's, okay, yeah. I have heard them. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, so, yeah, so, they're around. They're in the zeitgeist. Um, but yeah, they were the kind of band that used to open for the Strokes. That's who the moldy peaches are. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, anyway, nice. we've spent enough time about that. I promise. I'm going to at least <laughs> spend a few days without mentioning the name moldy peaches. Moving on. Uh, here's another great one. Number two, August thirtieth, two thousand three. Thunderbird Stadium, Vancouver, British Columbia, and this was to see Radiohead. So this show, um, mostly it's in my memory, uh, primarily, well, for a couple of reasons. One, it's the first time I saw Radiohead. I, I've seen them many, many times since, but this was the first time. So of course that feels special. But here's something more universal that I think we can all kind of, um, uh, uh, I guess, relate to is, have you ever gone to a show and you accidentally have much better tickets than you thought you did? You, oh, yeah. Maybe, you think maybe. you had better tickets than you thought, and then you Vice end up versa. having kind of shitty tickets? I had what I thought was general admission nothing tickets. Oh. Myself and my friend uh, uh, Tess, we were going up to Vancouver to go see Radiohead, and we both bought our tickets at the same time. We both bought just general admission, whatever, you know, poor kids with no money could afford. And then when we got there, we got up to the gate. She was ushered into one section of general admission. And for some reason, there was a much smaller, much more limited number of people in like a general admission in front of the general admission. And that's where I got to stand. Kind of like huh. picture in your mind, Aww. all those um, like little areas where like the photographers sometimes go yeah. and stuff like that. That's where I was, myself and probably like 20 other people. I wow. definitely, they flagged you. They I flagged you not. as like super fan. They're like, all the super fans are right here. <laughs> I could not afford these tickets. So so I don't know why I was put up there, but it was my first Radiohead concert. I accidentally had front row seats. And then, and this is again, <laughs> maybe just special to me. Uh, during the encore, Michael Stipe comes out and duets with uh, Radiohead wow. singing Karma Police. And That's I was just awesome. like, what a wonderful evening. Like, it just, it just felt like gift upon <laughs> gift 
for for for, for this <laughs> yeah. young man seeing his first Radiohead right. show, and uh, it, it was truly wonderful. <laughs> Isn't that always Aww. exciting when somebody pops in and just like, uh, and uh, please welcome, blah, blah, blah. Yes. And then you go, you, like, you know that that happens. They're musicians. Yeah. They hang out together. But yet when it does happen, it blows your mind. Like, I can't bother. Like, yeah. 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 That's Especially- happened to me before, and it's not on my list at all, but mm-hmm. I went to see the Watson family, but oh, it was yeah, when yeah. Fiona Apple was doing stuff with them. Mm-hmm. And freaking Toad the Wet Sprocket singer guy comes out. I was ah. like, what? What well, is this? Was this a recent tour? Was this at um, Terminal West? Uh, no, it was in Athens Okay, a few years ago. Okay, but still, Three a few years, years ago, years. I'm still surprised yeah. to see Toad the Wet Sprocket. <laughs> yeah, I know. I was too. I love Toad the Wet Sprocket, but I was like, what? This is so what, random. What are you doing here? And exciting. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what are you doing here? Who are you? No. Uh, here's a fun side story. I was uh, a guest on the Conan O'Brien program mm-hmm. uh, several years ago, and I was telling a story about, I forget what the story was, maybe about me bombing at some gig, I think was the story. <laughs> and I and Conan said, you know, what year was this? I go, I don't know. I, I don't know. I was probably listening to Toad the Wet Sprocket or something. <laughs> and uh, the, uh, I, I don't know the lead singer's name. Uh, you think I would based on the story I'm about to tell you. He, uh, he wrote me and thanked for, uh, thanked me for the shout out. Wow. That's, oh, isn't wow. that neat? That is neat. That's so cool. Yeah. yeah it's I, like, uh, Hey, we're a big fan of yours too, Jimmy. Thanks for the shout out. I'm like, holy moly. That's yeah. pretty, pretty cool. I just said that's your awesome. name because I thought it was funny to say in the moment, but yeah. all right, I'll no, take it. I, I completely agree. The, the phrase toad the wet sprocket is just funny words. <laughs> that's yeah. just a good yeah. series. <laughs> Agreed. They're great though. All right. And my number one, this is another one that I've talked too much about. So I'm just going to get it out of the way real quick. Uh, uh, Jimmy, I don't know if you know this, but in this store, I talk about this one concert I've been to far too often. (laughs) Tara already knows which one I'm going to say. She could say it. I do. But I'm just going to spit it out because it's true that this is the best (laughs) concert I've ever been to. It was May 12th, 2019. So still not that far before uh, concerts were canceled forever and ever. Uh, It was at The Shed. It's an art building in Manhattan, New York. And it was Bjork. Basically, she was doing a residency of eight shows and uh, it was quote, her most elaborate stage concert yet, end quote. And uh, because it was so elaborate, she wasn't gonna move. She wasn't gonna tour the show. She just set it up in one place and said, hey, everyone come to me. And so that's what me and my wife did. We flew up. We uh, stayed uh, in New York just for like a couple of nights and saw this wonderful, wonderful show. She had all these crazy guests. Uh, it was built like a, a, a very strange wonderland. She had this giant, uh, instead of just like hitting a pedal for reverb, she actually had this giant dome that looked like the weird thing from The Fly where she just goes inside and sings inside of that thing for the, for the echoes. And it was it was wonderful. It was absolutely mesmerizing to see what someone can do when their tour doesn't need to tour when their tour can be stationary and everyone comes to them the 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 wild elaborate things they can do Uh, she had invited a choir from iceland she had like uh, different artists pop in she had like elements coming from the ceiling all these shows uh uh greta thorn thumberg thornberg thun one of those thornberg i think it is uh she uh like recorded a special video for it because she was no longer flying places because it was too environmentally dangerous. So she just sent a video of Greta doing her little speech about how the environment is falling apart in the concert. It was worked in. It was wild. It was a very wild show. And anyway. I'm so jealous of that one. I've talked about it way too much. I promise. Honestly, though, I didn't think you were going to say that. I 
when you said Tarek probably guessed, I was like, yeah, yeah, I can guess. I know what it is. But I actually thought you were going to say The Fiery Furnaces. Oh, that is a very good show. I have a very, very good Fiery Furnaces concert story, too. But I've already given my top five, so I must stop. Uh, I'm, I'm going to have to stop. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm, we're going to have to take a break because uh, Jimmy's going to have to go around the record store, gather up his five records representing the uh, five favorite best. shows he's ever been to. And, uh, and then we're going to do this all again. So let's, let's all take a break. Everyone stop to get some water or some tea or something. And uh, we'll be right back. Hi, it's Allie Wentworth, a middle-aged woman with a lot of questions and a lot of answers I have pulled out of my tush as host of Go Ask Allie. My listeners want more, so we are digging in. It's real, it's honest, open and unexpected, and sometimes amusing. Can you start with your infamous $19,000 haircut? Yes, and this is a great story I, I feel about mothers and daughters with a dream and an empty bank account. Just a few of our fabulous guests this season are New York Times bestselling author Isabel Gillies, writer and Oprah's favorite life coach Martha Beck, and former editor of People magazine Jess Cagle. If we know intimate details about another person, then that person is socially important to us. Okay, so that's what you like to gossip about. Wait, what do you gossip about? All new episodes of Go Ask Alley release every Thursday. Listen to Go Ask Alley on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Jen Kirkman, host of the Anxiety Bites podcast. I'm not a trained mental health professional. In fact, I'm a comedian and a writer, but I am experienced in having anxiety. I've had it my entire life. Generalized anxiety disorder, panic disorder, multiple phobias, but I've worked on them so much that by the time 2020 rolled around and it seemed like the rest of the world was just experiencing anxiety for the first time, I was actually feeling okay. And I wanted to do something to help other people find the right tools to help them take control of their overwhelming anxiety. So I decided to start a podcast. Anxiety Bites premieres on Wednesday, October 6th. Join me as I have irreverent but factual conversations with experts in the field of mental health. Subscribe on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Hey guys, this is Maddie and Kenzie Ziegler, and we have a podcast called Take 20. This is so exciting. I know, we've been wanting to do this for so long. It's been a long time coming, but I feel like we're in a really good point in our lives where we have a lot to talk about. I'm actually really happy that I grew up with you because I could not do it alone. Oh my gosh, that's not really emotional. Well, it's true. It took a while to get to this point. We hated each other. I know. Like, we actually, I hated you so much. I know. We used to tell each other that too, which is terrible. Okay, but honestly, I don't think we hated each other that much because we would sleep in the same room every night, even though we'd fight. I'm so excited for everyone to get to know us on a personal level and not just through social media. So this is going to be really interesting and fun. I know. I was literally saying today, I was like, I wonder if we're going to like fight. I feel like there will be lots of laughs. You know what's so bad? Once we start laughing, we can't stop. We can't stop. Nope. That's going to be a huge problem. No. But listen to Take 20 on the iHeartRadio app, on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, we are back. 
and uh, we're discussing our top five concerts we've ever been to. I have gone, and now it is uh, our, our, our good friend Jimmy Pardo's turn. Jimmy, you're going to uh, start with number five, work to one, and I'm, I, I can't wait to hear this. Es- especially, I, I don't I don't know if I should say this out loud or not. I, I've said before, yeah. I'm a big fan of Jimmy's records and tapes. And, I, and you've done an episode on this. Uh, I have done an episode about my five uh, favorite concerts. In, in season two, I actually really, I mean, uh, if, if, Tara, if you haven't seen it, I recommend it. Season one was really fun because Jimmy went year by year and was like, in this year, here's all the wild things that happened musically that I, I loved and all the memories and stories, which is it's the best. Jimmy's great at talking. <laughs> you know, that's Jimmy's job. <laughs> and uh, and then season two, which which uh, just started not too long ago, which is currently going on and on. Um, it is Jimmy doing his top fives in his virtual record store. And I, I love it because it's anyone who enjoys what we are doing, Tara, they should do themselves a favor and just go look up Jimmy's records and tapes because it's it, it's very similar and it's fun. And Jimmy's better at talking than you or I could ever hope to be. So why not get it from the best, you know? <laughs> uh, well, I don't, I don't know if any of that is true. And and, and listen, I, based on your top five, um, I don't know if any of your listeners would enjoy my show. <laughs> no. um, oh, I'm sure I, am, I would. <laughs> I am far more. In fact, I had a difficult time finding uh, any of my five in your record store um, <laughs> because you, you, you lean more indie than, uh, than Jimmy Pardo's uh, tastes are. So- but I, uh, I, I appreciate everyone's tastes. A- anyone who loves music, I love what they love. Because I- anyone who feels super strongly about anything, that just means it's of great quality. You know, like that that's it. They, like You just need to look a little bit deeper and you're going to find something really good there. And yeah, I, I, I mean, I've been a follower and a fan of yours for forever, Jimmy Pardo, which uh, your stand-up and your, uh, your, your podcast, of course, I've been listening to Never Not Funny for... <laughs> A decade, at least. I have Thank to you. say, too. Yeah, my friend Kurt is a huge fan as well. Oh well, tell Kurt I said hello, and um, I hope he appreciates the five bands I'm about to name. That's, uh, uh, if Steely all right, I'll Dan number... is in there, then he, he yeah, he will. Who, who, who did you say? <laughs> Steely Dan. I did. You know what? Here's the thing. I saw uh, Steely Dan does not make this list. They make my other list of the top five worst shows I've ever seen. <laughs> oh my uh, gosh. <laughs> yeah, I uh, I saw Steely Dan when they were on the uh, their hey we're doing the tour for our fans tour, mm-hmm. and uh, so the casual listener. Uh, was kind of SOL. Uh, so it was a long night of hearing a lot of... If you are if you were a Dan fan, you had a lot of deep cuts. But if you wanted to hear Reeling in the Years and the stuff that you would hear on, you know, uh, The Loop in Chicago, uh, that was not the show for you. So it was a long night with Donald Fagan <laughs> for, for this guy. What year uh, was this? Oh, boy. It, it was in the last... Maybe within the last 15 years, I would say, but I can't uh, I tell you. I wonder if he was there because he's from Indiana, so not far away from Chicago. Um, well, I, I saw them in, in Los Angeles, uh, but oh, there's oh, no okay. question that they were in Chicago or oh, gotcha. uh, Indiana. I, I basically go to see any show where I know I won't run into Kurt and have awkward conversations. <laughs> so uh, I, I was uh, farther uh, west. All right, here we go. Okay. Uh, number five, uh, this was actually, uh, and the reason this makes my list, and, and here's the truth, I don't know if this really is in my top five shows, Mm -hmm. but it was the very first concert I ever went to. Um, And this is from 1979. It was at the International Amphitheater in Chicago, Tara. uh, And it was Kiss. On the the Dynasty Tour. Um, And again, I don't know 
if I, you know, if I really, 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 really think it's in my top five, I can all like, I can name three others that I think are better. Uh, <laughs> but at the end of the day, <laughs> I think the fact that it was number the, the first one I went to, and uh, again, to bring my mom into this, uh, my mom brought me, my brother and my cousin and uh, my mom didn't drop us off. She stayed for the show. And Ooh. I remember the next day, everybody at school making fun of me that my mom went with me to a, to the concert. And uh, I believe my mom at the time was 28 years old like she was, <laughs> you know, or 32 years old. Like she was yeah. young. She, yeah. she should have been there. Not the 12 year old boy. You know right. what I mean? Like, um, I guess she was 32 then if I'm doing my math right. Anyway, Kiss was my first show. And uh, so that's number five. That's awesome. I've seen Kiss before. It was when, when it was did you see him, Tara? I was in college. I think I was probably a freshman or sophomore. So I was probably only like eighteen or nineteen at the time. Hmm. Right, but I don't uh, know when you were born. So what year <laughs> yeah. would that have been? <laughs> Sorry, uh, ninety-eight, ninety-nine. So they, they were, were back in the, they were back in makeup. Yes, they were back in makeup. They were on tour with Sebastian Bach and Ted Nugent, believe Ooh. it or not. I'll tell you something, Tara. I <laughs> saw they, they did that show here in Los Angeles. And um, it actually, if I may, it was actually Skid Row without Sebastian oh, Bach. Oh, it was Skid Row. You know, yeah. you're right. It was Skid Row. I was and, uh, and Ted Nugent uh, spent his entire set calling us a bunch of Los Angeles <laughs> FAGs. Wow. And, oh, no. And he called us that through the entire show. And- you know, uh, and then, but then he did stranglehold and all was forgiven for some reason. I don't know. Not really, but like, right. like what a, like who, who, who like nobody yeah, sat why? through it. Like we all got up and like walked out on him. Cause it was like, why are you calling us names? We're, we're here. Yeah. It was very bizarre. Um, but, and kiss was okay. Actually kiss had a lot of, when I saw that show, Tara kiss had a lot of, um, uh, technical trouble. Like Paul Stanley got stuck on the, uh, oh. on the zip line and, and Gene Simmons, uh, when he came down from doing God of Thunder, uh, he, his, the, uh, the uh, suspension thing stopped him like two feet above the ground. So his little legs were dangling, uh, oh, no. while, the, while the rest of the band is trying to get him down. It was, uh, <laughs> oh it was gosh. very, I, I hate to use this phrase, but it was very spinal tappy. Uh, how many <laughs> yeah, mistakes I, bet. They had. I can't even, like, I would kind of love to see that actually. It that was, would be uh, really hilarious. as a guy that's seen them a lot, I was grateful for the, new, the newness of the mistakes. <laughs> yeah. Did yeah. you paint your face? No. When you were a kid? Uh, or when I was a kid, yes. There you go. I, would, uh, I painted my face like Paul Stanley when I went. To that oh, show. Oh, nice. Good for you. Yeah. Full that, experience. You got to do the full experience. Yeah. I, you know, I love it. I love that you did it. Um, <laughs> uh, I, did, I, never, I never painted my face when I went to see them in concert, but I did for Halloween uh, several oh. years as a kid. Nice. No, uh, I, I'm actually a little jealous because I think you're a, um, of the generation, Jimmy, that um, a lot of people around your age have Kiss as their first concert. And for myself and the generation all around me, I can tell you, 99% of us, Weird Al Yankovic is our first mm. concert. And, and if you're a girl, it's probably New Kids on the Block. Right? Wow, or yeah, New yeah, Kids yeah. on the Block. Like oh me. my gosh. Yeah. Jimmy, I, I I don't want to turn you into a parrot here, but could you tell a truncated version of your New Kids on the Block story? Sure. Because I um, love it so oh. much. <laughs> so Tara, I was uh, I was in the record business. I worked for, M I, I, I managed record stores uh, for years, and then I worked for MCA Records. Um and uh, Tiffany was one of our artists. Uh, the you oh. know, the, and she was she was past the the mall. Uh, although I I certainly were when when she did the mall shows. I I, I was there as a as a representative. But uh, she then you know she got huge and was doing sheds and doing huge uh, you know huge venues. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And so Tiffany's on, uh, Tiffany's backstage and blah, 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 getting ready. And, and I'm sitting there, my, my girlfriend is with me. Uh, uh, and I'm standing off to the side of the stage while the opening act is on and I'm eating a plate of pasta salad. Uh, very arrogantly, I'm eating this pasta salad. Like in a way that nobody eats pasta salad. But I'm off to the side of the stage while the opening act is on and it was five dudes in different colored jogging suits. And I turned to somebody and I, uh, between bites of this pasta salad said, uh, who are these guys? And the guy said, I don't know, there's some new band called the New Kids on the Block. And I said, mark my words, they'll never make it. (laughs) And I want to say by the time I was done with that sentence, they had action figures and posters and uh, the the cover of magazine. Like everything, everything. Like I couldn't have been more wrong about my prediction. Uh, But I said it arrogantly. And people nodded around me like, you got that right, Jim. These guys are done. They're new. They're never going to make it. What oh my gosh, that's I love so it. funny! Yeah, yeah. And for for an entire generation, they are stamped as first concert, just like yeah, I, just like Weird Al, just like Kiss. I, it's great. <laughs> and 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 Jimmy, I, I do think you should get a Kiss tattoo. I'm just saying, I, I think it would be great. Uh, no, I couldn't. I could not. I could. Uh, no, no. Even I, I, I would leave my wife so she wouldn't have to let me down and tell it to me. I would. I'd get the tattoo and then just keep driving. I think that would be the best way to handle that. Um, all right, here's number four. Number four was uh, at the Greek Theater, a uh, great outdoor venue here in, uh, in Los Angeles, uh, and it was Heart. Smile like the sun, kisses The man Heart, uh, who I had never seen before, and uh, Lisa Loeb opened, and uh, Heart... Uh, the truth was like they didn't even sell it out it was like a weird night where like it was maybe half full and uh so we had we ended up having great seats to your point we we didn't have great seats but by default we did and um when 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 ann wilson goes for that note in alone where you know she she hit it it i've i've never ever ever in my life and i've been to three to four i mean i've seen chicago a hundred times so i've been to 500 concerts maybe in my lifetime i've never had this experience where like i had chills Mm. and like my body didn't know how to react to her hitting that note it was insane uh i have since seen heart maybe five or six times since then and it's like a heroin addict i'm chasing the dragon (laughs) to have that same feeling that i had and and she even admits that she can't hit that note anymore and uh but I was glad that I got to see it that one time. Uh, yeah, and and heart's great. Yeah. And but that that was what was so special about that show. So amazing! I'm jealous of that one. I yeah. love Heart so much, and Lisa Loeb. Yeah, that's cool. That sounds like uh, a good pairing. The, the yeah. weird part is Lisa Loeb has become a friend because she married my friend <gasps> Roey. And um, uh, but I was not there to see Lisa Loeb. I was there to see Heart. Yeah. And uh, so it's weird. Then when I see Lisa and I go, remember the time I came to see it at the Greek? And she. <laughs> uh, She's she knows like, yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Gosh, that's so amazing. It was great. Uh, my number three uh, is the, the most the most recent of all of my top five. Um, this was uh, in 2014, I think I just said, uh, at the Nokia Theater, and it was Cat Stevens. Praise for the sweetness of the red garden sprung uh, Yusuf Islam, and he had not toured since 1976. So this was the first time that uh, I was ever going to see him live. And I, I, I honestly never thought it was going to happen. I never thought that he would ever 
perform live in the United States again. And, um, and he did just a very small handful of, uh, of shows in, in, in 2014. And I, I dragged my wife with me who knew some Cat Stevens songs, but, uh, but she was really going to, to support me and, uh, uh, my wants to be there. And I had, I, I bought great, I overspent on tickets so that I would have great seats. And so the show's starting and it's a bunch of guys and ladies, my age and older, you know, just a bunch of, you know, some old hippies that, you know, uh, were with Cat Stevens from the beginning and a bunch of people my age in their fifties who, uh, oh, don't wait, hang on. Let me look at that math. I wasn't in my fifties. yet. <laughs> um, so, uh, and it, and there was just this real positive vibe around the theater. Like everybody was there. Everybody was excited about it to, to see this thing that again, that we never thought would happen. And, and right before the show started, this guy that was sitting right behind me, like with tears in his eyes go, I've been waiting since 76 for this. And he said it in such a way that I got caught up. I was already there, but I got caught up even more in his, his enthusiasm <laughs> and his vibe that what Cat Stevens came out. I, I want to say he opened with where, uh, where were the children play? And if he, if he didn't, it was the wind and it was the other tour that he did that the other uh, song he opened with, but he opened, whatever he opened with, I, I already, I start crying and I, I don't know if I ever had, didn't have moist eyes through the entire show and just so into it. And by the time he got to father and son, uh, I was just sobbing like I've never sobbed in public or privately in my life. And I looked over and my wife, who again, she's there to support me. She's also crying because the song Father and Son is so, you know, so emotional anyway, but she's seeing her sappy husband. And if you looked around, every dude in the place was crying. And it was, uh, again, I never thought it would happen. It happened. And it was emotion like I've never felt at a concert in my life. Mm. He he doesn't tour that much, right? Like he doesn't tour at all. Yeah. So that's pretty rare. I mean, even then. Was he doing like a world tour or anything? Uh, it was very sporadic. He just did, like I say, a handful of shows here in the States. Yeah. And then he did some, he did come two years later where he did kind of a retrospective where he started at the beginning of his show. It was almost like a more of a one man show. And it was good. The one before that was great. Right. The, then when he came back, it was, it was, he was still great, but it was just, uh, the, the show didn't have uh, the set list because it was chronological didn't really, oh, yeah. d- didn't, it didn't have a flow to it. So it was kind of a little stop starty. Um, but uh, I don't know what he does uh, worldwide, uh, Tara, but here in the States, it's been very few and far between since yeah. 1976. In fact, only twice. And plus you kind of oh, yeah. never know what you're going to get with him too. Cause like when he was doing his Yusuf Islam stuff, that music was fine, but you really want to hear T for the Tiller man. You yeah, know yeah, that yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you really want to hear his prime and he wasn't in the mood to be Cat Stevens for a very right. long time. So you, you caught him like that lightning in a bottle well, at that right time. And, and, and he knew that because it was, again, it was his first tour in the States in decades. Right. And so he knew I can't do the use of his love show. I have to do a Cat Stevens show. Right. And, uh, and he delivered. It was fantastic. It was amazing. That's awesome. That's a lucky one uh, to get. Like that, that's yeah. like, there, there are definitely like shows when you hear someone went to them and you're jealous, you know, uh, a, a right. big one around here lately was, and lately this happened a few years ago, but we're all still talking about it. Like it happened yesterday. Yeah. Prince's last show was here in Atlanta. And so half of our friends got to see it. Half of us didn't. And right. everyone who didn't go is thinking, why didn't I go? We're why like, didn't I go? What the hell is wrong with me? Ugh. Yeah. Yeah. 
But yeah. but, but you, you got to see that show. And I'm sure people are, are thinking to themselves, oh, why didn't I go to that Cat Stevens show? Why why not? Right. You know? Yeah. Well, they, yeah. Uh, they weren't thinking. They're not smart. That's what I say about those people. They're not <laughs> yeah. paying attention. Absolutely. Focus. Who opens for Cat Stevens? Nobody. No, it's just oh, you know, okay. an evening with Cat yeah. Stevens. That's smart. That's that's very, yeah. very smart. Yeah. That makes, I, I actually, that makes I, sense. I love a show without an opening act Dude. intentionally. It's it's wonderful. Please. Yeah. Because there's and, a certain level where you know the audience is sadly going to ignore and be a little bit rude to the opening act, no matter who they are. So just skip it, you know? Well, there's also, uh, if I may speak as an old man, um, the opening act goes on at, let's say, 8 o'clock. They play <laughs> for 45 minutes. Then they have to you know, break down the stage and set up the stage. Then the headliner doesn't come on until 9.30. I'm not home till midnight. I'm exhausted. Let, yeah. let's, uh, let's do an evening with. Let's start everything at 8. Let's be done by 10.30. And I'm getting home. Totally so, agree. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's that's what old man Pardo has to say. I'll be over here looking at my Paul Anka albums. Love it. Um, <laughs> number two, and the, and you caught it, Seth. You brought him up almost immediately. Uh, in 1982, I had seen this band uh, maybe one, two, maybe three times. Maybe this was my fourth time seeing them. Maybe my third time. I can't remember exactly. Uh, but it was uh, the band Chicago. Waiting for the. Uh, at a thing that was called Chicago Fest, which was the city of Chicago, would put on this two-week-long festival of music and food and all that sort of thing. And they had different headliners. They had different stages. They would have a rock stage. They would have a country stage, a comedy stage. And this was on the main stage. And Chicago that that year in 82 was riding the high off Chicago 16 after really being written off as a band that wasn't going to be relevant anymore. And they had the big hit with Hard to Say I'm Sorry. And a number one hit and a, a top 10 album for the, I think what's number nine on the chart, Chicago 16. And they were off drugs. They weren't drinking. They were at the top of their game. And there were 150,000 people at that show. And I was lucky to be in the third row. And again, like these other ones, it was an experience. Like I, I couldn't believe what I was experiencing, even though I'd already seen them. This was different. And uh, so that was uh, number two um, for me. Did you guys ever see that band? That doesn't I, seem I like it would fit. Oh, you have. I have. And uh, it is wonderful. They're, they're, they're a wonderful show. Uh, I was too young to actually know what Chicago I was getting. You know what I mean? Mm. Like there there, there have been many permutations. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. I'm guessing I did not see Satera Chicago is my what guess. What year did you see him? This would have been around like 1998. So, no, so you, you would not. know. Yeah, that, that's yeah, not Satera Chicago. No, that's Jason Chef. And uh, yeah, Peter left in 85. So it was still wonderful because, I yeah. mean, at least when I saw them, to me as, a, well, not a child, but whatever, as, 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 a, as a very young man, um, what I heard was basically my parents like radio. That's what I heard. Right. And and uh, I, it was wonderful. You know what I mean? Because you, you re- still recognize so many of the songs, even if even though at that age, I probably owned maybe two Chicago records. So right. I didn't know their whole discography. But when they're up there doing basically a greatest hits live you're, you're getting a little bit of everything. And I didn't right. know that I was missing Satara as, as a much older well, you know, person. A lot of people didn't uh, set to your point. Like I would be at shows and the person next to me, well, he sounds still as good as he does from the first record. I'm like, right. Not the same guy. Not the same guy. <laughs> uh, although Peter Satara alive, he, he does sound, he hasn't, he, I think he's somewhat uh, retired, but uh, saw him three years ago, I think. And he was fantastic live uh, Satara on his own solo. Um, and by the way, the first, uh, the second concert I saw after kiss was Chicago at Chicago Fest in 1981, and I was in the front row because my buddy Gary insisted we get there early. And um, 
I think that's what it was, seeing them from the front row and, and, right. and, and experiencing that show was like, and growing up having my dad listen to Chicago nonstop, they were his favorite band. Uh, but then going to the show is what changed it for me, like why I became obsessed with Chicago in a way that only a nine-year-old Jimmy Pardo could have got obsessed about Kiss. <laughs> right. So yeah. It was, uh, at least this wasn't as uh, cartoony. And now you it's soon funny. will have this tattoo with the, uh, you yeah. know, 25 or 6 to 4. I'm going to get that pocket watch tattoo. Uh, <laughs> and, then, and then again, please get a cot ready for me because I will need a place to live. <laughs> just just don't tell your wife what it is. You can say say any sort of lie you wish and uh, she won't know. She won't know. It'll be fine. Gee, that's weird. Jimmy never takes his shirt off anymore. What's going on? <laughs> he never... He's always wearing something. He used to always wear tank tops. Um, I've never worn a tank top since I was little. Um, and my number one, this was- oh, wait, wait. Go ahead. Can we talk about just being in the front row for a second? Because yes. I feel like, you know, a lot of people be like, oh, don't go to the front because it sounds terrible from up there. You don't get the full sound experience. But there is something to just being in the front, like as close as you can to those people who are singing the music that you love. It's it changes everything. It mm. really does. Like, I mean, you're 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 seeing them from three feet away instead of from even 30 feet away, which right. yeah. one would argue 30 feet is a pretty close spot. They're like, hey, I got, I got yeah. the best seats in the house. Well, there's a guy 27 feet closer. So, like, there is something about being literally at their feet that yeah. brings you more into the show. Right. Um, and to that point, Tara, back in 82, the sound systems were kind of different. So, it actually sounded pretty good because oh. you're kind of hearing everything through these giant speakers on stage. Mm. And, you know, not they didn't have in-ear you know, uh, monitors yet. So like yeah. it was, I ended up seeing Chicago again, maybe 10 years ago from in the front row. And that wasn't good. Cause I, that was, I was too close and I couldn't hear anything. Yeah. Um, I mean, I could hear the horns live cause they're four right. feet from me, but uh, <laughs> you know, as far as the vocals and stuff, like it, the mix wasn't good. Um, but yeah, yeah I, I, I agree with you agreeing with me, I guess is what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> it also just feels, I'm, I'm sure we've all had this experience before where you are just visiting a friend while they're jamming with their band or something, or you're, you're, you're right up amongst friends who are musicians or you know, I, I know you've performed in, in bands yourself, Jimmy, where um, being amongst music feels really good. Like literally just like physically feeling that bass going against you and, yes. and hearing the sounds all around your ears. Seeing a show from the front row tricks your brain into thinking that you're a part of this. Like yeah. I did this. Yes. I'm doing this right now. 100%. And, and you know, or you just, know you're yeah. not, but it just feels like you are. And, and it's a good feeling, you know, just yeah. subconsciously our little lizard brain gets tricked into thinking that we're very special. <laughs> Yeah, that, I was just going to say, that's how I feel. I feel very special when I'm in the front. Like, I feel VIP, and I can almost make eye contact with the singer, yeah. you know, or the guitar player. You're whoever, a part of this. You're doing yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. It, uh, you know, the same thing happened to me. I, you know, I, I grew up loving sticks because, you know, I, legally in, the, in they're awesome. the city of Chicago, you have to, <laughs> and they're awesome. Um, and uh, so I've I, I seen them a couple times, and then I forget what tour it was. Maybe it, was, it wasn't Brave New World. It might have been Cyclorama, where we ended up having front row for that. And that I went from a big sticks fan to the biggest sticks fan, right? Right, being in the front row, and like again, that's an experience. Like to your point, it's like I felt like, yeah, this happened because I'm here. This is I'm part of this thing. So that's per, that's a perfect way of putting it. <laughs> and, um, and and that was your number two. So we're we're, we're honing in I on know. number one. I'm right? excited to hear what number one is. Uh, now here's the thing. Here's the, this, this is uh, this was in 2006 at the Hollywood Bowl. Uh, which is an okay venue to see. You 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 have to have good seats to the Hollywood Bowl, or you're just going to hear the music. It, like it's such a giant venue. 
Um, that is for an orchestra and people having picnics. <laughs> so it's weird that when they have rock shows, um, again, unless you're close and then it's fantastic. But um, I never liked this band growing up. I didn't, I didn't like them in any way, shape or form. Uh, but I heard Roger Waters was coming to the Hollywood Bowl. And if the dam breaks open many years too soon. And if there is no room the- And there was a rumor that David Gilmore was going to join them and it would be the first time they reunited in decades. And Jimmy Pardo, who did, doesn't care about Pink Floyd at all, needs to be there for that. <laughs> I must be there for that reunion. Uh, so I bought tickets for uh, uh, the Friday and the Sunday uh, uh, shows uh, on the off chance that he didn't show up on Friday, but he would show up on Sunday. Again, it was very important I'd be there for this reunion uh, <laughs> of a band that I didn't give a crap about. Um, so I bring my buddy Mike. We go to see him on that Friday. Um, uh, and uh, full disclosure, on my way walking in, I sold the Sunday tickets to some guy uh, thinking, you know what? Uh, one night's enough. I don't need to see this thing <laughs> twice. So I sold uh, the Sunday tickets before I walked into the show on Friday. And the he was doing a set of music, taking a break, then doing the entire Dark Side of the Moon album, taking a break, and then doing three more hits to close wow. out the show. And it was freezing. I want to say it was in October of 2006. It was freezing outside. Uh, so after the first set, my buddy, which by the way, was phenomenal. The first set was phenomenal. And, but we're there and we're freezing. And I, Mike turns to me and said, dude, you want to stick around? You want to leave? What do you want to do? It's freezing. And I went, well, let's stick around and just see the first song of Dark Side of the Moon. And uh, it was mesmerizing and we couldn't move, uh, maybe because we were frozen stiff, but <laughs> we, we, like it was, I couldn't believe that I spent my entire life not liking Pink Floyd. That's how invested I got into this show. And they weren't the best of seats. They weren't, it's not like I was close, um, but I was drawn into it. And then when, by the time we got to the encore doing, you know, another brick in the wall. And I want to say uh, comfortably numb was in the encore. Um, just unbelievable. And, and, I, and I left there going, I can't believe that I sold my tickets for Sunday because I can't wait to see this again. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, on that Sunday, my wife and I had gone to a fellow comedian Jackie Cation's wedding, and we left the reception early because I was dragging her to go to the Hollywood Bowl to buy tickets from a scalper <laughs> out front, and nobody was selling tickets because they were all sold out. So right. I uh, didn't get to see it a second time, but that would be my number one uh, show was uh, wow. Roger Waters on the Dark Side of the Moon tour. Now, I've heard about this tour before. What was the stage setup like? Like, like what kind of musicians were there? Like, like, like what was the band like during the well, show? Well, it was, you know, it was basically his touring band. You know, he's got the three female backup singers, mm-hmm. uh, John Karen on um, uh, 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 guitar, backup vocals, and keyboard. Uh, I want to say he had uh, uh, Doyle Bramhall on guitar. I want to say, but I could be wrong. Um, and then I, uh, and then I don't know, just, you know, nothing fancy. Just you know, a traditional has, band you know, uh, is what it sounds uh, like. Say it again, please. Oh, just a traditional band. Like- just a traditional band. And then, you know, with, with, with some, uh, you know, visuals behind them, a screen behind them. And of course, you know, the inflatable pig that floats around and, you know, that sort of thing would happen, you know, throughout the show with the inflatable guys for, you know, another brick in the wall and, uh, from the well album. And, um, but for the most part, it was, it was almost like being at a 70s show, 
uh, you know, when you see the old pictures of like Led Zeppelin performing and they're like a on a five foot high riser performing to a, an arena with no video monitors or anything, it, it kind of felt like that, like a throwback sort of show, but you're so into the music that it was amazing. That, that to me is one of the most amazing things about Pink Floyd is that they are at the end of the day, just a band guitar, right. drums, and bass. They're just a band. And yet when you listen to them, it's so lush and so big and so full that I, I, I just picture them having an orchestra wherever they go, you know? Well, you know what? Maybe they have on other shows, but this, this particular one was, was, again, just this pair, you know, there's just a band. And, and I will say to that, I, I went from not, I literally would say, I don't need my music to have a message, man. That was something I said. <laughs> uh, to where now they're in my top 10 favorite bands of all time. And I've seen Roger Waters half a dozen times since then and uh, David Gilmore solo and um, <laughs> Pink Floyd tribute bands. Like, <laughs> you know, uh, 20 year old Jimmy Pardo would have punched me in the face if I thought I was going to a Pink Floyd, <laughs> Floyd tribute band. Um, but uh, that, that one show changed everything. Changed everything. That's yeah. funny because I, I've kind of always shunned them a little bit. No, I don't mm. really like them. I'm not really into them now. And so I wonder if I would be similar to you. Like if I had or yeah, if I had been able to see them live, yeah. would it totally change my opinion? Mm. Um, I know that was the case with me and the moldy peaches. I know <laughs> <Yes>. that. <laughs> you, you know, Jimmy, next time I see the moldy peaches, you're the first phone call that I'm, I'm, I'm making. I just, <laughs> okay. you got to see them to believe them. <laughs> and I won't be able to go, of course, because, uh, you know, uh, travel restrictions because of COVID. I'm, I'm going to use that excuse years after it's uh, uh, usable. I fully agree. Uh, well, that that was wonderful. I I, I loved your list, and um, we got one more to go, which is uh, Tara. And uh, I I cannot wait to hear what what Tara is going to do because Jimmy, I'll say I think Tara is somewhere between you and I. I think okay. I think Tara has a much deeper appreciation and love for all music classic, especially the '80s. Tara knows and loves the '80s yes. way more than I do. I am. And yeah. it, but I, I know also that she is quite contemporary and can talk moldy peaches with me. So <laughs> let's, let's let's all take a break. We'll all uh, get a, get a drink of tea or whatever we need. We'll come back and then Tara's going to give us her top five. If you're a predator, you can see things that other people can't see. So you can be stalking someone and they would never know it. My name is M. William Phelps. For the past 20 years, I've been immersed in the world of true crime as a New York Times bestselling investigative journalist and host of the true crime podcast, Paper Ghosts. Now I'm hosting a new weekly podcast from iHeartRadio, Crossing the Line. Get ready for the uncensored truth, interviews with top experts, and stories of the missing and murdered you have not heard anywhere else. I mean, he was the master manipulator of coercive control. Every time a case is solved, it gives the people that are close to the victim a little bit of hope that answers will come someday. It turns out that the dead guy worked out at the same gym. Listen to Crossing the Line with M. William Phelps on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. My name is Kristen Nobles, and I am the host of a new podcast called Close to the Chest with Kristen and Christine. 
I had been chronically ill for over 20 years, and a doctor told me she believed that my breast implants were causing an autoimmune disease that was attacking my body. That is when I learned about breast implant illness. This disease is not my fault. I am not going to allow BII to define who I am. Listen to Close to the Chest with Kristen and Christine every Wednesday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Peace to the planet. I go by the name of Charlemagne the God. My mama calls me Lenard McKelvey. See, I thought I just had a face for radio, then some good white people at Comedy Central gave me a new TV show called The God's Honest Truth. Won't God do it? And you know they couldn't contain my blessed black and highly favored ass to just 30 minutes once a week. Nope, I'm delivering extended sermons straight into your ears like a dollar store Q-tip. Plus, the check already cleared so I can say whatever the hell I want. Like, cracker ass cracker. See? Listen to The God's Honest Truth on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, we are back. Uh, Tara, we're concluding our uh, uh, top five live shows that we've seen, and I'm very curious to hear what you have. Uh, uh, Please, let us have it. Okay. Yeah, actually, I was going to bring this up because you were talking, Jimmy, about just like all the amazing classic rock bands that you've seen. Um, I have a party in Atlanta. Actually, the first one kicked off March 10th of last year. So Oof. we have only done it one time, but it's called Hot Blooded. It's a classic rock party. Yes, the Foreigner song. Love it. Have you seen Foreigner live? Let me. I, I have. And let me ask you this, Tara. Do you think my son and I didn't go see a Foreigner tribute band last week at a, <laughs> at a drive-in concert? We did. Oh my gosh. That sounds so awesome. Yep. <laughs> <clears throat> love them. Yeah, I love, I love all that stuff so much. Uh, so much that I would have a whole party where I could just play classic rock. I love it. I would no if electronic I, music. I would be there. I would be there in a heartbeat if I lived close. And people danced. People danced. It was. I was surprised to see people dancing to Guns N' Roses' "Sweet Child of Mine." Even wow, they were having a blast. Wow. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Love it. Yeah. I, yeah. I suppose it I'm is in. more danceable than what's happening today, though, in many. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Uh-huh. <laughs> All right. Let's see. Okay. So this. Yeah. I know Seth is like me. We've seen so many shows. It's so hard because you're you're inevitably going to leave off like so many memorable times that you've had. Mm. So, yeah, I try to pick some that that really moved me, that I have stories to go along with it. Um, but yeah, the first one, I'll just go ahead and start. Number five from 2017, actually, um, Primavera Sound in Barcelona, Spain, Aphex Twin. And you went all the way to Spain to see this show. Yeah, well, this was like a festival. But by, by, um, I'm saying you yeah. you went to Spain to see I went this to Spain. festival. Yes. I mean, don't get me wrong. Well, I like Aphex Twin a lot, but I'm not going to Spain. <laughs> so that's well, he's yeah, and he's impressive. kind of he's kind of recluse too. He he doesn't tour very much at all either. And like, yeah, if he does a show, it's probably going to be some big festival or something. Um, but I first want to talk about what it sounded like. Mm-hmm. And then we'll get to the visual aspect because both parts were just crazy. So um, Aphex Twin is kind of a, an experimental electronic mu- uh, artist, producer. Um, it was a two-hour set. And he was going from like the loudest electronic music to, it was like jungle beats to just 
grimy dubstep type stuff it, it to ambient. It was all over the place, just crazy loud. He was kind of up on a podium. Um, it was it was insane. It hmm. was crazy. Did it have like then, a nice flow to it? Like like you're you're saying a bunch of yeah, genres. It kind, Did of, it-, it kind of all blend like he he had it all blended together. It didn't really stop ever. Hmm. Um and then the visuals, he had all these lasers and flashing lights, of course. Um, you'd probably imagine lots of flashing lights. If you had seizure issues, you'd probably want to wear sunglasses or something. It was <laughs> very intense. And then he also had all these um screens. There were big screens and small screens, all different sized screens. And he had these cameramen going around and capturing people's faces on these cameras. And they were projected back onto these screens, but they were like warped. Kind of like if you've seen the music video for Window Licker, it's it's, um, his face, but like on their face. Kind of like stretched and yeah. yeah. Just like blurry and weird. It it was a trip. It was wild. It was wild. (laughs) Yeah. I'm, I'm glad but it was worth all, a trip to Spain because, wow, yeah. that's a lot. <laughs> well, and here's another, actually, my friend Kurt, who I was talking about earlier, was on, on this trip with me um, and a couple other friends. And, but, so before the show, I was like, all right, let's go have dinner before the show or whatever. I really want paella. We haven't had paella yet. We've been in Spain for like a few, like four days or something. And so we go to this restaurant um, and we sit down and we order wine. And Kurt is like, isn't that that? isn't that that Richard D. James from Apex Twin over there? And I was like, shut up. And I looked over and it's him in the restaurant, the same restaurant as us. And there's like no one there. It's our table, our table and their table. It's him with some, you know, probably record execs or something. Um, And so I had my friend Calvin just like hold up his glass of wine, like he was getting a photo taken and I snapped a picture. (laughs) And then we saw him live after that. So it was just crazy. Small world. <laughs> that, that definitely adds to the, the concert going experience too, yeah. is if you do happen yeah. to see the artist before or after and you're like, once again, it, it, it feels more like a, a, a full picture. It feels like a, yeah. uh, uh, like everything. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. It definitely adds to the experience. One, uh, by the way, I, 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 the, the only word I understood uh, in your build up to that era was Spain. Um, <laughs> I don't know uh, what band or venue you're speaking of. Um, but I did, uh, to your point, uh, Seth, and if I say to your point one more time, somebody kicked me in the face. Um, <laughs> uh, I went to see Ronnie James Dio once, and then afterwards, we all stopped at uh, at Denny's to have uh, some late-night food, and who walks in but Dio and his band? What? And that, and that was like, you got to be kidding me. Like, yeah. so same deal. Yeah. It, it yeah, just, it Denny's feels good. Denny's of all places. Yeah. Right? <laughs> it's like... Well, like, then he was twenty four hours. Yeah. <laughs> right, there's not not a lot of places open in Merrillville, Indiana, at uh, twelve thirty <laughs> oh. in the morning. So, yeah, uh, Ronnie had to have some uh, moon over Miami, whatever the heck the name of that moon thing over was. Miami. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, I wrote you down Apex to... Twins. I uh, I'm going to Google them <laughs> and uh, him, maybe both of them. I don't know. What I'm gonna do. <laughs> yeah, it yeah, it was crazy. I'm, I'm, right, I'm excited about Jimmy's uh, Googling after this show. I, I, <laughs> yeah. I, I'm excited. We need I, a I'm full excited report. for Jimmy. <laughs> I've got two already. I got the moldy peaches and I got the Apex twins. And uh, so uh, I assume we're going to add some more to that list. Go ahead, Tara. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And so, again, with this festival, they are constantly booking these artists who maybe don't tour a lot or are hard to book or, or yeah, just don't really um, have many uh, shows. So my fourth is also from this festival. Wow. Grace Jones. I can die. Oh. 
Oh my goodness. Yes, it was so amazing. Wow. I was just in awe this entire performance. I was starstruck. My mouth was like open the entire time. She was mostly naked the entire show. <laughs> of course. Um, changing only the accessories to go along with her songs. Wow. <laughs> um, she was painted like she definitely... The boobs were out. I mean, you can, and I can't remember if her bows. I think maybe she was wearing a thong, but most everything else was painted with white. Um, I don't kind of tribal, tribal vibe paint. Gotcha. Um, and then so she would change. She would wear like a rope skirt, or she would put on just a hat, or like a wig or cape or something. Um, at one point, she had this disco ball bowler cap, <laughs> um, and. The band wasn't on stage, or if they were, I couldn't see them because it was just one spotlight on this disco ball hat she was wearing. And it was for that song. Uh, it was a cover of um, Love is a Drug, actually. Wow. Just insane. Just so cool. She had a male uh, pole dancer for that song, My Jamaican Guy. Um, and then for that song, Pull Up to the Bumper, after she performed it, or at least kind of like during a break, she got on the shoulders of someone and he walked her through the middle of the crowd and she was, you know, high-fiving people and she had this giant headpiece on. Uh, it was, it was wild, totally unforgettable. What, what year did you say this was? 2017. So oh, really? she was up there too. Yeah. So yeah. This, this is, I'm not saying this as, as a negative, that was an old woman up there doing that stuff. <laughs> and that's even more impressive. That's great. She's not a woman. She's, otherworldly right. at this point. Yeah, yeah, I follow you. That's, in, in my opinion, I don't know. That, that's yeah, amazing. It was, wow. It was crazy. <laughs> um, but yeah, the next one is less uh, less cool, if you will. <laughs> um, it's not my first show, but my first with no parental chaperone. Right, an impo was, important distinction. <laughs> yes, I was 15 years old and it was that dog with Teenage Fan Club and Weezer. Come out, come out wherever you are. Come out, come out wherever Wow. Yeah. 90s-tastic. Um, yeah, and it was at the World's Fair site in Knoxville, Tennessee, where I'm from. Um, and, you know, it was like all my guy friends, because I had mostly guy friends growing up, and... I just felt so cool being with all these like dudes and like going to the show with all my parents. And it, it was just an experience for me as a young teen, teenage girl. Um, Anna Walronker, who's the singer of that dog, you know, her brother is Joey Walronker from like Beck. And I think he's done other things with um, maybe REM too, but Petra and Rachel Hayden, they were, they played in the rentals. Petra then went on to play at the Simbarists. Um, yeah, they just had a huge impact on me, that dog did. I got Anna's autograph at that show. Um, yeah, and then fast forward to today, I actually gave money to their Kickstarter so they could independently release their latest album. So my name could be in the liner notes. Awesome. <laughs> Full circle. Uh, a question, yeah. uh, when you say it's your first show uh, that wasn't uh, with the parents, what, what shows did you see with your parents? Oh, I've seen many shows with my parents. Ah. Before that, it was, I saw Elton John. Great. Um, well, I did see R.E.M. with Lush, Luscious Jackson with a friend's parent. Right. Um, uh, New Kids on the Block with my dad. He took me to see New Kids on the Block. You know my thoughts. 
Yeah. There's probably some other others in there, but you know, when you're young. Oh, Billy Joel mm. was another. Yeah. It's hard to remember. Right. Right. <laughs> I was a child. <laughs> uh but yeah. Uh, and I was gonna say, you you mentioned Ash earlier. I yeah. saw Ash with Weezer once. A- Ash is one of those very forgettable bands, but uh, I don't think they're forgettable. I love them. No, I, I think as so soon as good. people remember them, they go, Oh yeah, I liked them. What happened to Ash? Like that's what I think that's the place I think they hold in life, which I think is it's fair. Yeah. It's better than most. Most bands you've never surprised. heard of, period. Yeah. I am surprised they didn't have more staying power. Right. It's like the vines, you know? Everyone loved the vines vines. for like a month. And then where'd the vines go? I want to hear more from the vines. Maybe. I don't know. Where'd they go? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. They had a real like a, oh wait, no, I was thinking the hives. I was about to say they have a real- Exactly. Or the hives. All these bands. Rolling Stones vibe. (laughs) Another show I was supposed to see this past year. (laughs) I was, uh, I bought my wife uh, Weezer and Green Day tickets uh, Mm. that were supposed to happen during the uh, pandemic. And then- uh, uh, I guess that's rescheduled. So that's as close as I get to uh, 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 bonding over this topic. Yeah. <laughs> I'm such a, in my ways, I'm, I, I apologize. I can't get excited about Weezer. No, I that's, be, no that's fair. Tara, I want to be excited on your behalf. No, it's okay. I, I don't, I didn't like anything past Pinkerton, unfortunately. Um, but I think I did see them live many, many, many times as a teenager. And I think because uh, Brian Bell, the guitarist, his dad was a teacher at UT where I went to college, oh. actually. So he's I, he's from Knoxville. So I think probably he was like swinging in to visit the parents um, <laughs> on tour. So I was lucky to see them a bunch when I was a teenager, when I was into the music. But yeah, yeah, after yeah. Pinkerton, I lost interest. It's <laughs> fair enough. Yeah. Uh, actually, Teenage mm-hmm. Fan Club, which I did see at that show, I also saw at Primavera, the the past two shows that I mentioned on this list. So. That festival <laughs> seems very like you know cornerstone to your to your life. I love it. Like yeah, mm-hmm. I, I love those things. Pretty crazy. All right, so uh, number two, and this was in 2018 in Chicago, actually at the Riviera, um, two nights in a row, My Bloody Valentine. Oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's so funny because I could see the look on Jimmy's face of like Chicago. Wait a minute. I, I got excited. Up. My I bloody Valentine. Many, Never mind. <laughs> no, I'm out. I, I saw many a show at the Riviera and then uh, uh, I was like, well, maybe, maybe I saw that same person. No, I did not. Uh, but yeah. I, I reckon a lot of people tell me this band's terrific. I yes. can't yeah. seem... More of an older man than I am talking to you two. I, no, I, no, not at all. Not at uh, all. All no, music is wonderful. Old. And they are old. They are not new by any means. I, this is like <laughs> late 80s, early 90s. Uh, okay. Very, very loud shoegaze. Um, but yeah, this show was incredibly loud. As soon as you walk into the Riviera, Riviera they're passing out earplugs. So um, they're like, you must wear these or you will not be able to hear for the rest of your life. Um, it was so loud. Of course, going two nights in a row, we sat once in the balcony and once on the, we stood once on the floor. And both times I, of course, had to, you know, take out an earplug just to get a sense of like, what is, right. what's this really like, you know? Um, but yeah, so the show was incredibly long. It was like, so without the earplugs, it felt like an airplane maybe just flying directly over your head, incredibly wow. loud. But the show was really long. The second time when we, when we, the second night when we chose to stand on the floor, um, 
it just made my body so tired because <laughs> of all of the noise. It, it just wow. impacted my body. I just felt like I I need to sit down like, directly after this. My body can't handle it anymore. I, I have was, a theory about that because I've, I've okay. experienced the same thing. We're being okay, yeah. front row another an, show. Front row at an extremely loud concert and feeling bodily sore afterwards, despite yeah. the fact that I didn't do anything. Here's my theory. When you are being blasted with, you know, that per- percussive air from like the speakers and everything, you are literally tensing your body the entire yeah, evening. You are holding true. yourself yeah. upright against a gale of noise. And a so gale. when it's over, you relax and you finally realize that you've been straining your muscles to stand still for yeah. two hours, three hours, perhaps. And and so therefore you're just very, very tired. And I don't know if there's any science behind that, but that's in my head what I always picture happening. <laughs> I've already yeah, nominated you for the Nobel Peace Prize for science. So there better be some science behind that. Seth. <laughs> I, I, I will get it peer reviewed. I, I'll, yeah. I'll go to a few more concerts. Oh, wait a minute. <laughs> oh. Here, here's what I loved about that, Tara. If somebody just like was listening, just walked in to hear this conversation and you're going, it was the loudest I was ever at. I had earplugs. I was exhausted. It was my second favorite show of all time. Like it, I know. it sounded like you're about to go, and it was a nightmare. It was- no, yeah. It's just such an experience. I mean, the sound just overtakes you even, even with earplugs. And it's, it's really a gr- kind of a great experience because of that. Um, but it, it is probably the loudest show that I've ever been to, and I've seen Neurosis and Sun and Swans, and those bands are Loud. supposedly like the loudest shows ever. So it was well, a nice I time. I, I can't wait to hear what number one is. <laughs> Very shiny. It was a nice time being physically abused by music. <laughs> um, number one, also double double night uh, show, 2019, another 90s band. Um, and this was at Radio City Music Hall in New York City. Massive Attack. Um, and this was uh, with Horace Andy and Liz Frazier of the Cocteau Twins was there. So, And you love the Cocteau Twins. I love the Cocteau Twins so much. So yeah, this was a shoe in for me. I had to, had to, had to get tickets. And it was kind of a scary moment because I um, got tickets. And then very soon after getting the tickets, the show was uh, postponed. And they said it was because of an illness, but it seemed to kind of cor- correlate with the same uh, time as the singer of Prodigy dying. Oh, and I believe they may have been friends or something. So it seems like they were postponing so that everyone can go to the funeral. Wow. Um, Keith Flint from Prodigy. Yeah. So, but luckily they rescheduled and that was September of 2019. But yeah. Again, it was just so amazing. Elizabeth Frazier's voice is like an angel. And it sounds exactly the same as, you know, when she was younger in Cocteau Twins. They covered a lot of songs. They covered Bella Lugosi's Dead. They wow. covered The Cure's 1015 Saturday Night. Wow. Um, Ultravox, they, they did um, a bunch of covers. There's more than that, but I can't remember which ones they are because I didn't really recognize them. Um, I heard later, oh, that was a cover? I had no idea. Uh, they had visuals that were pretty political. I think at one point a picture of Donald Trump popped up and everyone in the place booed. <laughs> it, it was a great experience. Love and it. being in New York City for that too was fun. Yeah. Yeah. And what, what venue did you say? 
Radio City Music Hall. Yeah, what a great venue to see that, too. Yeah, beautiful yeah. venue. That's wonderful. Yeah. Man, great lists. Every, I, I, I love hearing everyone's experiences. Mm. I, I love vicariously living through someone else in these times. Because, you know, we, we all have that that kind of like feeling in our heads of like going to a live show and that anticipation and that that prickly feeling of just feeling excited. You don't know what's going to come. And, right. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm, I'm, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm very nostalgic for it right now and hopeful that very soon we'll all be getting shots and feeling, <laughs> feeling better about being amongst crowds. Yeah. Yep. I wanted to shout out a, a short list one. Oh, please, please. Yeah. So yeah, let's talk about that. shows that we also loved, but perhaps did not make the top five. Tara, mm. hit us with okay, it. Okay. Awesome. I have to mention The Cure here because when I saw The Cure, they did like five encores and it just kept going and it was amazing. And Robert Smith sounds exactly like he always has too. It's yes, amazing. he does. Uh, Jimmy, how about you? Any uh, any shows that you also just want to shout out that you you also? You know, love? I mean, I, again, I uh, I'd seen so many that uh, almost like something you brought up earlier, Seth, about being excited about going to shows. It's like I got to the point where like there was a little time where it was like it was my job, so I wasn't excited anymore <laughs> to go to concerts, and so right. <laughs> I think that's why like that Roger Waters and the Cat Stevens like. Uh, brought that vibe back to me. Like, Oh, I'm excited to see this one. This is exciting again. Um, and I, I saw Cindy Lauper in 1984 when she was at the peak of her powers with, you know, uh, she's so unusual, that album coming out. And then many, many years later, I saw her open up for meatloaf, Mm. um, at the now uh, gone universal amphitheater. And she did a version of, um, uh, unchained melody. And, uh, that was, heartbreaking and I never really I don't think I understood what that song was about until I heard her version of it right um and so that one's that when you when you that's the first one that pops into my mind I'm sure there's some others that I'd like to mention but that was the uh that was one when it kind of ties into something you said earlier so Cindy Lauper was great does her show intermission now it's time for Meatloaf who I actually I, I love Meatloaf I think he's phenomenal I love Jim Steinman as a songwriter and so on and so forth um but literally 90% of the people were there to see Cindy Lauper and left. Wow. And so there's very few people there for Meatloaf. And at one point, Meatloaf's like, turn the lights on these people. I want to see them. <laughs> and my buddy and I turn to each other and go, don't do that. Oh, my God, don't do that. <laughs> and he turns the lights on for a second. He's like, all right. And turns right back off. Like, <laughs> uh, I think the lighting guy did it only because he was told to. Because uh, right. I think he's like, oh, you, don't, you sure don't want me to do that, sir. Uh, but Lauper that night. That? Uh, boy, what was, uh, maybe it wasn't during the 1984. No, no, no. This would have been 2000, uh, uh, early two thousands. I just can't, I I can't put a a date on it. So yeah, it wasn't because I was thinking, oh, well, maybe they just didn't know meatloaf yet. Cause then (laughs) they were uh, well aware. (laughs) This was primarily a, um, um, you know, uh, city has a huge gay audience. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it was mostly uh, gay dudes that were there to see Cindy Lauper that weren't interested in meatloaf. And, yeah, um, yeah, that makes sense. Um, but I, and I, and that was another one that like, it turned me where it's like, I now need to see Cindy Lauper every time she's within a 50 mile radius of my house. Yeah. Um, so that's the one. Love it. She's so unusual is one of my favorite albums. Oh my God. It's great. Well, it's flawless. It's, so it is, it's a flawless, it flawless album. Start to finish. I listened to the full thing. Start to finish every right. time. Mm-hmm. Me too. Yeah. Love it. What about you, Seth? Uh, there's there's a few that I want to uh, mention that like, eh, it just, if you ever come near these people, I highly recommend it. Uh, Dan Deacon always puts on a good show. Young Fathers always puts on a good show. Harmar Superstar. Um, I went to a, a Mike Nesmith show not too long ago that I loved so much. Mike Nesmith is such a fucking weirdo. Uh, I really enjoyed it. <laughs> and um, 
speaking of the Hollywood Bowl, I, I lived in, in Los Angeles for many years, and um, it's hard to see a good show there. But when you do, it really hits hard. Mm-hmm. And I saw a really wonderful one that was No Age, followed by Sonic Youth, followed by Pavement. Whoa. And that show is one of my favorite shows ever. Um, oh. And and man, oh man, parking at that Hollywood Bowl, that's a memory for a lifetime. <laughs> everything, everything about that venue is awful unless you have the perfect seats. The parking's yeah. awful. The crowds are awful. The the seating's awful. Like, everything about it is like, okay, I guess we've got to go see a show at the Bowl. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's and that's how good those shows are sometimes that despite all the negatives of yeah, the Hollywood yeah, yeah. Bowl, you still have a great time there. And that's when, you know, you really saw something special. Uh, uh, you know, what, uh, to that, I, I, I took my mom uh, before she passed away um, to see Neil Diamond and uh, two different shows, Neil Diamond and Barry Gibb at, mm. the, at the Hollywood Bowl. And uh, while it looked like I was bringing my mom, being a great son, uh, I was really going for me. Right. Um, and, uh, <laughs> but my mom is the reason that I like those two artists because I grew up in a household with her playing that music. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and, th- and those shows, th- those were both great shows that uh, would probably make a top 15 list. They were both that good. No, and, and I, you know, this is going to be a bit sappy, but I actually really enjoy a good, I'm an adult, I'm going with my mother to a concert Let's enjoy this show that we both enjoy. Like like one that I a, a strong memory I have is my mother and I going to go see uh, Brian Wilson, uh, uh, and mm-hmm. he was doing um, Pet Sounds in its entirety, followed by um, Smile in its entirety right. in, in a single show, and it was wonderful. Great. And you know the fact that like my mom's there enjoying it on her terms, I'm enjoying it on my own terms, and we're just having a grand old time. It's 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 sweet. It feels sweet in my head, and it's a right. nice memory, you know. Hmm. Uh, but anyway, nice. we got to lock up the store. Been here too long. Last thing we do, whatever we've been enjoying lately, we're just going to throw it up on the employee recommendation shelf here. Um, now, lastly, before we go, I just want anyone who's in the, in the store, I'm going to recommend a couple of things. Jimmy, if, if you're going to feel embarrassed, plug your ears. But uh, Jimmy is one of my favorite stand-up comedians. Oh. Love seeing Jimmy whenever he plays live. Thank I absolutely you. love the podcast Never Not Funny. Many podcasts come and many podcasts go throughout my life. Never Not Funny has been a stick-with-me podcast literally for over a decade. And I, I I absolutely love it. It's 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 been a friend. I feel like I, I know Jimmy and the gang better than I know many of my actual friends. <laughs> and uh, I... I I have to highly recommend Never Not Funny. I have to highly recommend uh, uh, Jimmy's Records and Tapes. Uh, never, uh, let's see, the podcast-a-thon that happens once a year. I, I can't wait for that to come up again this year. Uh, I hope it's also, we all have our vaccines by then, but we'll I see. I hope so too. <laughs> Who knows? And um, uh, if you've never seen Jimmy live, uh, Jimmy is... There, there's a lot of great comedians on record. A lot of great comedians when you watch their special. Jimmy is fantastic live. So... If you ever get the chance to see him in person, I highly recommend it. But as a as as a band aid, as an interim, he's been doing these really great shows virtually for flappers, where you do get a bunch of that Jimmy Pardo experience because Jimmy's really good at his crowd work, and you he will talk to you, you in this Zoom room with him, and you are a part of the show because Jimmy's making fun of you, and it's absolutely <laughs> wonderful. I, I I've been to shows where Jimmy has made fun of me and my wife. I've been to shows actually where Kurt is in the audience, your friend Kurt Tara, and yeah. Kurt is made fun of by Jimmy Pardo, and it's wonderful <laughs> to be Pardo 
road. It, it, it's it's our generation's version of um, of Ricketts, you know, calling you a hockey puck. That's uh, Rick, uh, If I may, Rickles. Ricketts is the guy that owns the Chicago Cubs. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Ricketts is not part of my generation yeah. because I can't, I don't know that Ricketts is Rickles. See, that's what I'm saying. To yeah. us, Jimmy Pardo- Now we're talking. Is Rickles. And and you, Thank you, you. you telling us to shut up is like him calling someone a hockey puck. And that's wonderful. Uh, anyway, anyway, I, I, enough of that. Love Jimmy Pardo. Everyone check him out. But uh, this recommendation is partially, I think it's for everyone, but I think it's specifically for Jimmy Pardo too. Ah. I, I know my taste goes a, a bit extreme and a bit- um, uh, avant-garde too often, but uh, Jim, Jimmy loves a, uh, a singer-songwriter. Jim, Jimmy I do. loves um, perhaps sometimes even some classic country. And uh, he loves artists like Vance Gilbert, Ellis Paul, folks like that. I'm going to recommend someone I absolutely love. Her name is Esther Rose. I hope you change your mind. Ooh, try. And I hope you change my mind. Oh. Uh, she's the greatest. She has uh, classic country roots. She's got very strong singer-songwriter vibes. But more than anything, she writes a good melody, writes a good hook, writes a great chorus, and that's that's kind of all you need. If you're a, if you're telling a good story, you write great hooks, you write great choruses. You, you've done it. You've you've accomplished everything. So anyway, I, I in particular recommend her second album, which came out I believe uh, two years ago, called uh, "You Made It This Far," and I okay. highly recommend it to everyone, but in particular to Jimmy. I hope Jimmy checks out Esther Rose. You made it this far. I think you'll enjoy it. You know what, Seth? I will, because I remember in the days before I worked at a record store that I would go into the record store and say, hey, what should I listen to? And uh, I was never steered uh, wrong based on my likes. So I will uh, give that a try. Thank you. Of course. And, and, and Tara, how about you? What do you have to throw up on the employee recommendation shelf? Yeah, actually, I just have to correct something. I said earlier that my friend is from Indiana, my, fr- my friend Kurt, who we've brought up a few <laughs> times in this in this conversation, but he's from Joliet, Illinois, which is, I think, where you're from as well. Uh, no, I'm not from school. Joliet. I, I, oh, I, you're not? Uh, I'm from a place called Oak Forest, which is about 30 miles from Joliet, but when my, one of oh. my best friends growing up, Dave, uh, was from Joliet. Oh, so. nice. Kurt is just yeah. a liar. I, 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 we I can't. We can't believe to. Kurt. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think he went to college there. That was my. That was my. My. Uh, my. My boo boo. Um, so sick of yeah. about Kurt. <laughs> God, I know what a what a jerk. No, he's great. Um, <laughs> I actually quote him a lot on this in this in this record store conversation. <laughs> yes, in this record store. Um, <laughs> My recommendation for today is uh, an older album that I've been revisiting a lot lately, and I don't know why I've been revisiting it so much, um, but I've been learning guitar during the pandemic, and so I've, I've learned two of their songs. Well, one is actually a cover, but two from this particular album, and it's Frente. The album is Marvin the Album. It's from great kind of I think they're just a duo maybe they're a duo uh, I'm not sure but they're great from mm. the 90s wow uh, Jimmy I, I know nothing about this either so we're, we're both oh, about this one. wow oh. really <laughs> no Thanks no I, I don't know this well, do you remember 120 minutes yeah yeah the TV mm-hmm. show yeah it, it would probably be on 120 okay. minutes okay cool 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 uh, Jimmy, I know you don't work here, but uh, anything you've been enjoying lately? Anything you want to throw up on the wall? I've been hearing, I love the new artist called Kurt. 
<laughs> who is uh, <laughs> wonderful. He's out of uh, the middle of uh, Illinois. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know what? I love the new Dawes album. I love all. I love every Dawes album, but the new one I love. Uh, good luck with whatever. Uh, I think Taylor Goldsmith is the, the greatest singer songwriter in the last decade that I've ever that I've heard. So uh, I, I will go with Dawes. Good luck with whatever. Nice, great nice. recommendation. Yes, and and uh, I, I love it whenever um, any musician is on your show. But uh, I, I've I've very much enjoyed when he's been on your show. Uh, Thank you. And uh, yeah, no, I, uh, the live musical performances uh, that you've done in studio have, are, are always a treat. I, I always very much enjoy them. And I, and I guess I must give some credit to your crew. You know, Elliot, Matt, etc. Yeah, shooting it and recording it very very well. Uh, anyway, if, if you're ever wondering if the fans like the music episodes, we very much do. <laughs> well, I tell you what, you don't know discomfort until somebody's playing their song and guitar a foot and a half from your face, and you don't know where to look. You don't know, should I look at the person? Do I right. pretend I'm listening? Do I stir up my shoes? It is uh, very uncomfortable. At the same time, it's like, I can't believe this person's doing this song a foot and a half from my face in a room. It's the greatest. And then, of course, uh, Elliot used to, I think he's learned by now, just to, just to shoot your face during those in-person I, concerts. I, I begged him to stop doing that. Like, yes. you have to stop showing me because it's weird, dude. It's the weirdest. Yeah, yeah. Uh, anyway, thank you so much for coming I'm, in today, Jimmy. We oh, really my appreciate honor. it. Thanks for, uh, thanks for staying open a little bit later for me. Absolutely. Uh, we must close up. Uh, anyone else in the store, thank you for coming, but but we, we really, really must go. We've, we've been up far too long. Uh, so uh, thank you, everyone. We, we must be running. And uh, happy trails, everyone. Until we meet again. Record Store Society is hosted by Tara Davies and Seth Nicholas Johnson. If you'd like to contact the show, you can send an email to recordstoresociety at iheartmedia.com. Or you can find us on all your favorite social media sites with the handle at Record Store Society. Record Store Society is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. If you're struggling with alcohol or drugs, Recovery Centers of America can help. RCA's local inpatient and outpatient programs are founded on science and delivered with heart from an expert caring team who will inspire and guide you every step of the way. Call 1-888-RECOVERY now to speak with a treatment advisor. At RCA, you'll be in a community that builds connections and fosters support from peers and RCA's team of medical professionals and recovery support specialists. At RCA's state-of-the-art campus, in Monroeville, Pennsylvania, they tailor your treatment to you and also offer specialized programs like PRIZE, a unique program for people who have been in recovery but have relapsed. Here, you won't have to start from step one. You'll build off the knowledge you've previously acquired in treatment and focus on the areas of your recovery that need improvement. RCA answers the phone and accepts patients 24-7 and is in network with most major insurance providers. Don't wait. Call 1-888-RECOVERY today. That's 1-888-RECOVERY. Hi, I'm Jen Kirkman, host of the Anxiety Bites podcast. Take a weekly deep dive into anxiety as I share stories from my decades of anxiety disorders and recovery, as well as candid and down-to-earth interviews with esteemed experts in the field of anxiety who are here to help us all have our anxiety bite less. 
Subscribe on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Hi, friends. I'm Hector Navarro. And I'm Frankie Grande. We're your hosts for SpongeBob Binge Pants, Nickelodeon's podcast celebrating all things SpongeBob universe. We have the privilege that not many SpongeBob fans get. This being an official Nickelodeon podcast, we get to interview the brilliant humans behind the names we've all been reading in those credits for over 20 years. It was a blast. Steve had a a sign over his door that said, have fun or you're fired. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. First of all, for everybody out there who doesn't believe that we're talking to you, can you say something as Sandy? (laughs) Sure, of course. Howdy, everyone from uh, Bikini Bottom and actually from my living room. (laughs) (laughs) It's Sandy, you guys. It's Sandy Cheeks. I'm freaking out. This is a podcast by fans for fans. And I think SpongeBob would call it the best podcast ever. Listen to SpongeBob Binge Pants on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.